Have you ever felt frustrated because you just couldn't find a lovely book to read? I can start to crave not just a good book, but a book that draws me in and evokes such a deep emotion that I can say, wow, that was a lovely book. Welcome friends. This is Emmy B on Lovely Books Podcast, where it's my job to highlight the lovely books that keep you reading and connect you to the world. If you're new to Lovely Books, this podcast is more than just a best books podcast. It's about the reader's experience and takeaway. No book reviews, no analysis of literary content, just thoughts and personal anecdotes brought to our minds by the characters and subject matter that we love. That's what brings the book to life for you. I hope we give you something to think about, something to laugh about, and something lovely to read. I'm so excited to be here with Tiffany Rosenhan. We are discussing her lovely book, Girl From Nowhere. Um, it's her debut novel, and it came out July 21st, July, July 21st which is so exciting, um, and it was hard to get. So when I finally <laughs> got my copy and read it, I was so excited to talk to you about this. But before we dive in, why don't you tell us a few things about yourself? Well, thank you for having me, Emily. I am a stay-at-home mom, typically. I live in Utah, and I majored in political science and almost majored in history, but due to an hour of missing credit, I ended up being a single major, which at the time felt devastating, but I graduated a little early, and I didn't want to go through the process of adding in a double major, but I think of myself as a historian. Okay, okay, I like it. I'm an identical twin also, which I tell people first and foremost because so often they'll know one of us, and it's always nice to just clarify that. Yeah. If I don't say hi to you at the grocery store, it's probably because it's my twin. It's my sister. <laughs> that's great. That's so, totally great. And okay. I, have, I have four daughters. That's awesome. also super fun. And you are a traveler, right? Yes. So, I am a wanderlust at heart. <laughs> I love that. Um, and I could tell from your book. So one of the first things um, that I want to ask you is there's so many destinations in your book. Did you pull those destinations from your bag of tricks of places that you've been <laughs> and things that you've seen? Or did you have to do a lot of research? Um, a combination, quite a few I've been fortunate to see, um, and but there's also a lot of places I would love to go to, and yeah. some places I'll probably never be able to visit due to certain yeah. circumstances that yeah. I kind of romanticize a little yeah. bit. But I definitely think experience traveling and in a variety of countries enables you to um, kind of perceive how a country might feel. Okay. And yeah. so you apply your own experience and then compound that with research, Right. and that's how I came to the descriptions of some of these places. It's so probably cool. not perfect, and I'm sure I'll get a lot of people saying this isn't quite right, Or, but I yeah. think for the most part, it's fairly accurate on how these cities and locations um, taste, smell, feel. Yeah. Hopefully, I represented them positively because I don't think there's a bad place on earth to visit. No, and I'm, no. I've just been fascinated by geography since I was a little girl, so I think this was a way to like do some research and have it work towards something. <laughs> so when I, I have known Tiffany, um, for a while, our girls went to school together. Yes. Um, but it's been five years since they've been in school together. And I have to say, I wasn't sure what to expect when I read your book because I know you <laughs> and being someone who's quite an avid reader, um, there are certain things when I read and it's generally when I read something, um, either very tragic or very sad, um, or very graphic that I always think to myself, like, you know, what kind of experience would this person have to have to write this? So for me, simply as a reader, when I read a genre that an, that an author writes in often, I get an idea in my head of who the author is. Right. <laughs> and when I read this book, 
I just kept pausing and thinking to myself, there's no way she wrote this because you are such a sweet, very smiley, very positive, very like gentle person. And you have this main character in your book, um, Sophia, and she is fierce. She is a fearsome girl. So I'm, I'm really interested on how you developed her as a character. And so where did you draw what did you oh, draw on for question. her? Well, the, the first character. point I, I do I do recognize the, I guess the contrast between who I am as a person and the type of story I've told. Yeah. Because I consider myself feminine, more even tempered. Yeah. I'm very forgiving. I'm compromising. I feel like I'm I'm always willing just to get along and let things go. Yeah. Um, genuinely, most arguments are not worth it in my opinion. So right. I understand. Um, the kind of the juxtaposition there, and it is kind of fun. And within fiction, you can write anyone. Right. But I have to say, a lot of Sophia's character was unintentional. Mm-hmm. I think I wrote, I saw her in my head for a long period of time, and the first version of the story I wrote was much more existential. It was a soft okay. coming-of-age story. Mm-hmm. And by first story, I mean, the first time I really got her on page in a full kind of yeah. arc, narrative arc, it was her experience with her past trauma and settling down to her new life in Waterford and yeah. feeling at peace with her experiences and moving on. Uh-huh. But there was always so much more to the story. I just thought that it would come in future books. Right. But as I continued to like ruminate over this character and the story, she, I realized that a lot more had to happen up front yeah. for this to work. Mm-hmm. And her, by default, her characteristics of her fierce nature and yes. her almost combative personality at times and her ability to stand up for herself. Oh yeah. That evolved over time. So I, which I'm appreciative for, I think had I set out to write her that way, it would have been more intentional and forced, Mm -hmm. but I was always dealing with this push and pull mechanism between her being just an average 16 year old girl. And I want her to be humble and naive and ignorant and, um, unskilled in a lot of areas of social, mm-hmm. you know, social yeah. interactions, yeah. but also very capable within this other world. And so it was always that Superman Clark Kent yeah. contrast I was going for with her. Right. And so I think a lot of it just happened and evolved. It's not that I'd want my girls to behave this fiercely in every situation, certainly not against me, Yeah. but I'd hope they'd have the courage to behave that way if the time, when on the time arises, when right. you're being pushed into a corner, you're being bullied. And yeah, I want my daughters to feel confident to stand up for themselves and look at the way when girls say, when girls do push back and say mm-hmm. no and do drive an argument, they can do so without being ridiculed for being bossy or pushy right. or all yeah. these things that were applied to women, but not men. Definitely. So I want my girls to look at this heroine and think I can stand up for myself and I can still retain my femininity and my innocence right. pushing back against people who are wrong me doesn't make me any less female. Yeah. It makes me more female. Right. Another thing about Sophia that I really appreciated is a lot of times when we have a strong female character who um, is kind of in a man's world, in the spy world that she's in, where she has all of these great skills, my mind tends to go to like Black Widow from the Avengers, you know what I mean? And Captain Marvel. And you have these women in these tight fitting clothes and you, you know, you have in your mind like this female spy with red lipstick on and, you know, black leather, (laughs) right? Okay. So, and I didn't get that, even though there's like some really fun, steamy 
you know, <laughs> boyfriend, girlfriend moments in this. I didn't feel like Sophia um, as a female was sexualized at all. Oh, I'm glad you say that. <laughs> yeah. And, um, but, but that's not necessarily typical for right. these types of characters. Did you, was that something that you intentionally did with trying to keep her youthful and Absolutely. I think, I think the intention came from more of a subconscious belief that I don't want a female heroine I write to be sexualized because if you look at all the film and fiction about females in a spy thriller genre or in action thrillers, Mm -hmm. whether they're film or movie, they are sexualized. Mm -hmm. And if you look at who writes them, they're adult men. And I feel uncomfortable with older men writing a young female character and sexualizing them. Yeah. I feel like they're projecting their lust onto a fictional heroine. Yeah. And that's something I feel uncomfortable with. Mm-hmm. And so I knew subconsciously that I would never write a character who's sexualized, but that doesn't mean my character is asexual either. Right. She is hormonal and yes, her, yes. her passions. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that, but mm-hmm. I don't feel as though I sexualize her nor what, nor will I yeah. um, do so in the future. But even as she ages, I, but I also think the intention came from intentionally wanting to keep her in a authentic mindset of a 15 year old girl, 16 year old girl. Right. Even if she's in these scenarios that push the boundaries, even if she's in scenarios that are Uh obviously we exist within this book, it's a hyper reality. Right. We know, we all know it's not real. We all know it's not realistic, but her emotions as a teenage girl, I think are realistic. Mm -hmm. And that's what sets her apart from the heroines that men have written. And I think there's a reason that this genre has been so hard to sell in the past is because the spy heroine genre has been most frequently penned by men mm-hmm. and they focus on the girl who's a teen heroine solving problems by utilizing her sexuality. Yeah. And that's not what resonates with teen girls. At least no. it didn't resonate with me. Yeah. It doesn't resonate with my daughters. And I think the reason is we want to be perceived as we can always use our sexuality to solve a problem. That's easy. Mm-hmm. What's harder is to use your brains and to use your existing skill set yeah. to control the narrative and yeah. to fight back. Right. And when, when your character, Sophia, she gets herself in a couple of sticky situations where there may be some sort of abuse to her. Right. And there's never really a time where she sort of falls into this like fearful female Right. Which is funny because she is very afraid. She's yeah. afraid. The whole book is about her being, being afraid. afraid. Yeah. She's not unafraid. Yeah. But I think what she tries to do is execute action alongside yeah. fear. And that's something I would hope we all could do. Yeah. You can be afraid, but you also have to act. Definitely. I love that. So her, um, her little boyfriend, Mr. <laughs> Axel. <laughs> Is a total cutie. <laughs> he is, I think. So, um, where did you? Where did his character come from? You know, it's funny. He was always in my. He emerged with Sophia at the exact, almost the exact moment. Okay. So I always knew that Sophia's story was also a love story, right? And I was never sure which would earn out as mm-hmm. far as the story was told. Clearly, now it's more a thriller than romance, but but it does have a romance element to it, which yes. is really fun because you have this sort of centralized story and um, where you're, you know, you're wanting to know what happens between these two characters. Oh, I hope so. so That's good news. Yeah, so I loved that, but it was, um, it is definitely thriller. Oh, good. Well, you know, it's funny. I loved his character because 
I, I made him even less harsh than he had been in the beginning because I don't want it to be, um, I want her to be with someone or I wanted the love interest quote to push her and she push him. And so mm-hmm. there needed to be more of like an equal standing between them. And I think there is a lot, there is quite a bit of, um, aggression between the two of them in the beginning, mm-hmm. but it's based on their circumstances and not really based on their personalities, you could say. Right. And I wanted, mo- most importantly, I wanted him to support, to not feel inferior against yeah. Sophia's skill set. Mm-hmm. He admires it and acknowledges it and yeah. it's not, doesn't dehumanize him for Sophia to also be skilled. He's incredible. Yeah. He's obviously incredible skilled right. and he's not threatened by what yeah. Sophia can do. He's appreciative yeah. of it. And I think that's how most relationships do work successfully yeah. is to have an equally mutually appreciative respect for mm-hmm. the other's skill set. And that doesn't mean he's perfect or is constantly supportive of her or whatever, but I think overall mm-hmm. they complement each other. The pace of the book is very cinematic, which oh. I love. <laughs> um, and I have heard rumor that there might be movie Yes. So movies take a long time. I'll say that. I yes. Said, yes. It's all good. I, I'm really excited about things that are moving. Um, uh-huh. yes. So did you have anything like that in mind when you were writing? Because as I've said, the, the pace is really cinematic. I mean, you're right. There's, there's not really a lull. And it, even in yeah. a lot of action books um, and in a lot of thriller books, you'll have kind of some downtime in there where you um, you know, you're more managing relationships and character development and, right. you know, background and things like that. But the pace of this is, it just, <laughs> I mean, it just kept me reading page to page. I read it cover to cover in a day and a half. So, because oh. <laughs> I just wanted to know, like, right. I wanted, what is going to happen? Where are these people going to end up? You know, right. what's the end of the story going to be? Like, yes. how's it all going to tie up? Um, and it, you did a great job tying it up in the end and still leaving the reader like thinking, well, what's next? I know. <laughs> but did you, so. was that, was that cinematic pace intentional, um, from the beginning or no, is that just kind of where all. it went? So I think what happened was I'd written the book and it was, her whole story was always the story that you see, but it came in different segments and a mm-hmm. different narrative arc for each story I'd written out. Cause I'd mm-hmm. written the whole, the whole, her whole experience has been yeah. right now. It'll probably change a hundred times now that I've learned how a book's actually published. But yeah. I did write out her whole story in the first book. This, what would have been the first book published mm-hmm. was again, just her experience in Waterford and it was slower and it was more a coming of age story and more, mm-hmm. more, a, a lot more internalized. Okay. But as, as I've written everything out, I realized what made me love the story was her experience alongside all the spy thriller action. And so I mm-hmm. wanted to incorporate more of that into the book. And so things just moved around a lot and I cut, yeah. you know, thousands and thousands of words and dozens of chapters. And as soon as I recognized that what I was trying to write was a spy thriller, uh-huh. like one of, I read um, The Day of the Jackal by Frederick Forsyth, uh-huh. which is this great, just like cinematic page to page turner yeah. about this, you know, spy in France. And I think, uh, what happens is you make a decision and suddenly you only have so many options. Right. So once I made the decision that this was going to be more akin to like a romance slash spy thriller, mm-hmm. I had in order to execute that, I had to, by default, let a lot of other stuff go. 
Right. Which is difficult, but also it's for the best. Yeah. But I think a lot of the lulls, a lot of the slower pace, like there are so many fun chapters. If I could have like a deleted scene book, that right. would be so fun. Oh, that would be so fun. <laughs> because there's be so, so many chapters I cut simply because they didn't move the plot forward. Right. I think they moved character development forward. And I think they're really interesting in terms of Sophia's experience in Waterford. Once I decided I wanted it to be a thriller, thrillers just don't have a lot of room for slowness, or at least I'm an impatient yeah. reader. Mm-hmm. And because of that, I've always, I always say I'm a reader first and then I'm a, then I'm a writer. Mm-hmm. Cause I, I write because I love to read Yeah, and my passion is reading. Mm-hmm. And so once I made that decision, it was easier. It was hard work, but it was easier to, to go through with all of that cutting and restructuring that I wanted to do in order to make it fast paced. And I just think people are impatient. So if I want to read a thriller. We're totally I impatient. Want to be, I want to, I want to get <laughs> right? a thriller. Like yeah. I want to know, okay, what's yeah. this problem? What's this next setup? What's this payoff? What's happening here? What's going to yeah. be next? What's, how yeah. are these, te- how is it going to tie together? Who's mm-hmm. going to solve this problem? I want those questions answered. And I'm impatient to sit through like, quote, the fluff. Yeah. I love to be educated. I love to be instructed. I love to feel immersed in a beautiful yeah. lyrical story, mm-hmm. but that's not what this was. Yeah. And so I had to forfeit a lot in order to make this, I mean, easier word, cinematic. What was kind of your time period? Like, when did you decide, like, this is a book that I want to pen. I'm going to start writing the story. So I did it in reverse. I would say I have, I was home with my little girls and they were, they were mostly asleep between one and 4 PM and then, you know, seven to seven. And my husband wasn't at the time he was in his residency and then his fellowship and then building a medical practice and having a startup. And he was basically gone, um, you know, 22 hours a day because of that. I had most of my evenings, if not 98% of my evenings home alone with little kids. Mm-hmm. And I enjoyed being, a, I love being a stay at home mom. Mm-hmm. I do. I enjoyed my time together in the daytime. I loved going to the park, going to the grocery store, making, yeah. I, I enjoyed all that. But I looked forward to when the house was quiet and I could write. Yeah. And I remember I had a friend one time who said, when all my kids go to nap, I just, I just can't wait to get all the laundry done and all of it folded. And I'm sitting here thinking, why are you doing that while they're asleep? Like, <laughs> I know that all my kids are awake. Totally. So that the second everyone's asleep, I can do, I yeah. can write. Yeah. And I loved reconnecting with these characters um, just for fun. It was just yeah. for fun. So I wrote a lot. This is the first story I published, but I wrote mm-hmm. a lot of stories during those years of my uh-huh. husband's training and I was home with little babies and I, yeah. and I, had I decided to publish a book, I probably would have done everything I did differently. I would have okay. followed a different structure. I would have mm-hmm. made a lot of different decisions, but because it evolved over time, it, I went about it a different way. So I wrote a full, multiple full complete stories before I thought about publishing this one story. Mm-hmm. So I, I think either way works for most authors. I, most authors that I've at least met want to write and then they write something to publish. Mm-hmm. I think it just wasn't on my radar for a really long time until it was. So this is going to be part of a series. Is that right? Well, in my head, it's a series. We'll see. Okay. I mean, yes and no. I really, being under a deadline for me this last year was, you know, I had, my husband had a stroke yeah. and then he had, you know, he's had a lot of complications with the TBI. And so I think it's been really nice to not be under deadline for a second yeah. book right now. The second mm-hmm. book is actually mostly written, okay. but I know once I get a date and sign with the publisher officially, mm-hmm. then I'll be under a deadline. And I want to make sure that I can execute my best work right. when the time comes. And I'm not totally happy with everything I've done in book two. So I really want to make sure I'm creatively out of the woods mm-hmm. before I make a decision on when book two would possibly publish. 
Okay, well, I'm so glad that you sat down and did this with me. This was so fun. Thank you. So if our listeners want to connect with you um, and kind of, you know, keep track on how things are coming with another book or any news, where is a good place for them to find you? So they can find me on Instagram in two places. I'm at Tiffany underscore Rosenhan on Mm -hmm. on Instagram or at Girl From Nowhere book. Okay. So there are several Girl From Nowheres. and mine is obviously by Tiffany Rosenhan. Yes. <laughs> so they recognize it by the cover. And if you are interested in buying the book, the King's English is our local bookstore. Yay. And they always keep in stock signed copies. So Yay. That's always fun. So, and we love local bookstores, so that's great. Um, well, thanks again. Thanks okay, for having so. me. And thank you to everyone who tuned in today. Remember, if you like what you heard, please share, comment, like, and subscribe. And remember to join us next week as we highlight another lovely book.